This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome back to Unwinding. How are we doing? How's your day? How's your week? How is, I don't know, what else? I'm so excited about this episode. I really want to keep this intro short and sweet. I want this episode to truly speak for itself. I have my beautiful, life-changing therapist on the podcast today, okay? I can't believe this. Um, If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I have been talking about her for fucking years, okay? And now I'm finally sharing her with you, and I loved our conversation. I love all of our conversations, but I loved this conversation and I can't wait for you guys to listen to it. I hope there's something in here that you needed to hear and I'm so excited for you guys to hear how special she is and I'm just so excited. So that's it really. I just want to get into it. I can't wait to hear you guys think and I hope you enjoy. Okay. Oh my God, I can't believe this. The day is finally here. I wanted this to keep you to myself great. for so long, but you know what? It's time to share you with the world. Oh, we're sharing the love. There's <laughs> enough love. The I have enough love to go around. Yes, you do. Welcome to the podcast. Can you tell Thank us? Thank you. I'm so happy name? to be here. I'm Stephanie Diamond. What sign are you? I feel like we didn't talk about this. I ask Aquarius everybody. and very, very Aquarian. What? Yes. Did I tell you my dad was an Aquarius? My dad and my sister are both Aquariuses. I did not know that, actually. I don't think we've ever talked signs. No, I told you I'm a Capricorn because I'm, you know, you know I'm a Capricorn through and through. That's true. I don't think we ever, obviously, you know, in the therapy context, we're not really getting into, you know, what my (laughs) sign is. But Oh, my God. Okay, so (laughs) I'm so excited for this conversation. For so many reasons, I want it to be so helpful for, for people, but I also selfishly want your help telling a bit of my story because I don't think, like I was thinking about this as I was getting ready a little bit ago, and I was like, I really don't think there are too many people that know just how dark my darkest days were just because I showed such a different thing to the world and to everybody around me. I'm pretty sure you're the only one that knows just like how bad it was. And even I hid shit from you. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and I would tell you weeks later, be like, remember that day? Well, actually. <laughs> yeah, you eventually outed yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so in a way, I kind of want, you know, I don't want this to be like a before and after. Like that's what I was then and this is where I am now. It's more just like a during. Like I think this is a during the healing mm-hmm. process the journey yeah exactly so uh, okay let's throw it back to the Mm -hmm. day we met oh it was so magical what describe me what was my energy like what were your first impressions I remember that day like it was yesterday like walking into your office a lot of our sessions I can't remember all of them because there were so many and a lot of them were hard as fuck and I think I like 
they get mm-hmm. blurry. Yeah. But there are some that stand out to me, and that is one of them, Ooh. like, the first day. So oh, so, okay. Me. I'll tell you what I remember, but I'm also really curious to hear your memories of that day. Um, you came in obviously with a fabulous bag and amazing sneakers and um and you were scared shitless yeah and you looked scared shitless I did yeah like yeah. scared like, of you or scared of no like- no like deer in headlights and like gulp am I what am I gonna talk about and am I what am I gonna say and am I am I gonna speak my truth mm-hmm. it was that kind of it was like a reckon a moment. It was like you were sort of on the precipice of, am I going to leap into really talking about this or am right. I going to retreat? Yeah. And you were scared and you were sad. Yeah. You, you struck me as sad, um, scared, and um, like certainly not connected to your fabulousness. Certainly not. (laughs) That is for damn sure. Okay. Um, But then as we started talking, and obviously, you know, that first session, you know, for anyone who's been in therapy before, um, you know that the first session is very different than most other sessions. It's like history gathering. It's a lot of questions. But as we started to talk and you started to um, get more comfortable with me, um, you know, you're, that 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 terrified look in your face kind of relaxed a little bit, and I remember sort of I remember a sense of you, and I don't remember if it was something specific that you said, but um, like there was a relief by the end of the meeting that okay, like uh, she's got me, and in the first session, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, like okay, um, I can. I don't know if I want to go there. Um, I remember, actually, one thing I do remember when we started to talk specifically about some of the things that you were stuck with in behaviors, you were really focused on like not wanting to change certain things. Absolutely. And you were like, I mean, like how specific can I get it? Like, can I talk real talk here? Okay. So you were like, basically you came to me and you were like, okay, I have this eating disorder and I don't like it, but (laughs) I still want to lose weight. So can you help me lose weight in a healthy way and not have an eating disorder? (laughs) I 100% thought that was what you were going to help me with. Like uh, the the delusion, like the delusion was so real that I thought I could do both things at once. But I think I told you that in that very first meeting that I, that that's not going to happen. And I left that and I was like, no, like I'll still like, I'll figure it out. Like I'll still be able to, you know, like I was in denial for weeks. I think about that. You were um, not wanting to let go of the fantasy for weeks. Right. But I think you kept coming because you knew what the truth was. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like like a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, you were like, what I'm doing isn't working, mm-hmm. and I this is not sustainable for me. Um, I'm hoping that there's some, like, magical unicorn situation, but I, I remember saying to you, uh, you can't have both. Right. 
and you know you can't have the pursuit of thinness in other words in order to break free you also need to give up the pursuit of thinness right right and i think that at that point the terror returned in your face and um you didn't like that no you didn't like that very much but but you were like okay so what do i do right I remember I would um, always ask you that. I'd be like, okay, so... How? So, so, so what do I do? Um, okay, let's get into... Wait, what do you remember? From the first day? Yeah. Um, I remember I walked out and I cried. I walked out of the session, but it wasn't sad. I was, I was like, oh my God. It was exactly what you said. It was relief. Because it had taken me so long to like even admit the fact that I needed help and I was just not in the mood to like you know have a bunch of first sessions until I fit like vibe with somebody like I just I didn't want to do that and so when I left and I was like wow like I felt safe I felt comfortable like I'm definitely gonna it's like the first date like it went well you know it went great I was like I think he likes me like (laughs) I yeah. think he likes me like but it was a know? good vibe yeah it was yeah. a good vibe and so I left and I was like oh, it was almost like I could breathe for a second yeah even it was, was a mix yeah. it was like you could breathe and you were like I I don't know if I can do this no I was like I was scared shitless for months mm-hmm. for months yeah but I just remember feeling relief after the first session and I remember I was so afraid to to say what exactly I was doing like what my what my behaviors were what my unhealthy behaviors were in regards to my eating disorder just because it's not the traditional you know what you hear in the media let's just say or what I at least would hear in the media it was I had never heard someone speak about that so I was like I wonder if she's even like heard of this like imagine you're like an eating disorder specialist and I'm over here like I wonder if she's gonna judge me like (laughs) So I remember that. I remember that. And I was like, fuck, I don't want to say this. Like, I don't want to. I don't think I'd ever said it out loud before. So I think that was even hard. And I was downplaying everything. Well, I told you that after. But I was downplaying everything. Yeah. Minimizing everything. With myself too. But yeah. yeah. So that's what I remember from from the first day. Can you describe like my journey a little bit? Just, I just want to give people context. Like we were like how many times a week we saw each other. What else I was doing. Like what kind of yeah just like if you had to describe my journey in a few sentences like what would you say wow I know so it's a lot I can't even remember like at this point like can we just be clear like you're you are not we are not working together right now right we're on a break which is wonderful yeah it's wonderful that we're on a break um so I can't even remember how like exactly how long we worked together for you might have a better recollection of that but for the most part we were working together twice a week mm-hmm. and you know my recollection of the journey was um s- slow start yeah a lot of resistance yeah um picked up quite a bit of steam 
um, really made quite a lot of headway. Was were you were really able to like turn around, extinguish the behaviors. We did a really important piece of work, I think, on some stuff that wasn't. You know, let me just say the eating disorder symptoms are never about the food or that's body I have or that written, any of that written in the outline. Like we're gonna yeah. we're gonna talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So we can talk about that later, but it, you know, we actually barely spoke about food. Um, it, it was really, you did a really meaningful piece of work, I think, about showing up, being vulnerable, letting people know you, being seen, uh, taking a risk to have more close, intimate relationships with people, um, being willing to um, sort of like let go, shake off some of your self-judgment and some of the perfectionism and like be Lisa. Why and actually you, like, sorry, mm-hmm. why did you, yeah. just for anybody who might be curious, why two times a week? Like, why was that something you were like, we need to do this? Yeah. So, you know, all of that in terms of frequency has to do with a lot of things, right? You know, when it comes to someone who's struggling with eating disorder symptoms, it's really difficult, you know, an eating disorder is a very ferocious thing and it's really, really hard to disentangle from it. Mm -hmm. So doing that outpatient, meaning like coming into a therapist's office once a week is really, really hard, especially when the symptoms are happening and they're happening consistently and they're happening with frequency. So once a week is kind of a drop in the bucket in terms of like separating a person from their eating disorder. So we up the frequency to twice a week to really help sort of like put a wedge between you and this disorder and really give you a fighting chance to separate from it. And the plan was always that as you got sort of stronger in the fight against the eating disorder, we would cut back uh, the frequency of the sessions. Right. So my philosophy on that is like go hard early rather than, you know, see someone occasionally over a much longer period of time and and prolong the suffering. It's like... I can't even imagine like where it'd be right now if we only did once a week at the beginning like it was brutal in the sense of like I think what people a misconception about therapy is like you go in you leave all your problems and then you walk out yeah that's true to a point to a certain extent but you walk out and then when you walk out of that office that's where you start actually working because then you have to apply everything oh yeah so it's like yeah it's not the like work an is hour not in the life. hour exactly right. yeah and it's if, like and if the work for you is in the hour then you're wasting the investment, actually, right? Like, if you're someone who's currently in therapy and you think, yeah, I'm in therapy, I show up, I go there, I'm, like, talking for 45 minutes, and then, you know, I, like, check out, and I show up again a week later, like, you're just, you're flushing your investment debt. Like, it's it's wasted. Yeah. Because the work really is in what you're doing between the sessions. Right. And, which is the hard, um, the hard part. Which is, of course, yeah. How, how, like I said, I don't want this to be before and after because it's by no means a before and after. A bitch is still struggling, you know? But how would you describe me right now if you had to, like in a few words? Uh, like, I mean, I really don't have a lot of words to describe your evolution because it's been so beautiful to watch, um, both from afar as, like, a follower <laughs> and, and also... Um, like in our own continued relationship. Um, I think you are embodying 
many of the things that we've touched on throughout our work. Um, Pushing yourself to face fears, to show up, to be who you are, to um, just take all those risks that for so long you hid from. Right. And... You know, I mean, like, look at the blossoming of your life as you've done that. Like, I remember the time, it wasn't one session, it was, like, probably, like, dozens of conversations where you were, like, I can't be on a video. Yeah. I can't do a video. Like, we were talking about YouTube and we were talking about stories and, and, like, to think about the fact that you are just, you know, in front of your camera all the time now and sharing it with whoever everyone who wants who wants more lisa um it's it's amazing it's amazing and um i'm just so i'm really so proud of you like not to sound like the cheesy like big sister here but i'm <laughs> i'm you. so i'm it's been amazing to see how you have um overcome a lot of your fears thank you i mean it wouldn't be without you so well, no, I mean, thank you, but I was just uh, along for the ride, really. <laughs> like you said before, eating disorders, and like you always told me, which I never understood until we actually started getting into it, eating disorders are never really about the food. No. So what are they about? Uh, or we that's can a use million me, dollars. We can use me if you want as an example, or because I know there's not like one right answer, right? But well, like I'll give you like my answer, and then we can okay. make it more specific. So my answer is in you know I've been in some way treating eating disorders since I was studying at the master's level. So like for twenty years, that kind of ages me. But I and I have a particular theory on eating disorders. I think that they are two things. One is absolutely a version of an anxiety disorder, anxiety queen. Two is they are a disorder of self. Elaborate. Which is a more complicated statement. But really what happens in an eating disorder is um, it's such a fundamental betrayal of yourself, right? Yeah. To, to either not nourish yourself in the way that you need to not give yourself enough mm-hmm. deprive yourself or punish yourself after you know nourishing yourself or enjoying something or right it's it's such a betrayal and an ab- abusive situation right um and so there has to be a disconnect from the person's true self in order to be living in an eating disorder state. Can you think of a something I ever said regarding my eating disorder or like a habit that just like broke your heart that you were like, oh my God. I mean, probably so many, but. I mean, everything. <laughs> like you're like, I, what, I, it's for some, like, we're saying it's not about food and it's not about food, but like what broke my heart was like, what you considered a meal and like what you were eating. Oh my God, I know. And like then watching like your turkey um, stories and seeing you enjoy all of these beautiful, delicious foods and live your life and have fun. And like, that's what it's about. And I think about like your cauliflower bowl. Same. Of disgusting. I can't even, I can, (laughs) disgusting. 
and like how you were telling me that it was good and I was like okay um but you know what and like you know I'm not trying to knock cauliflower bowls like I've had a cauliflower bowl now and again but not every day every day twice a day yeah every day twice a day so sad I remember one of the one of the first things I had to um not be scared of was having breakfast isn't that fucking yeah. crazy? Like, now that I think about it, I'm like, what? And I'm by no means, like, like, there's still work to do. You know what I mean? But. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, You're still in it. I'm still in it. You're still working through it. I think, you know, what What was the most heartbreaking thing for me, you know, we. Uh, the most heartbreaking thing for me, Lisa, was, I mean, pretty quickly, I adored you. And all I wanted was for you to be able to see yourself accurately. So hard still. It's so hard still. I know it is. But I feel like I have goosebumps now. That's how I know what I'm saying is like right on. Because you... it, It was just so heartbreaking for me to see you struggle and to see you sort of tear yourself down when like you know the person who I saw and I remember having many conversations with you about like oh I'm very confident I think I'm great in all these ways but except for this thing (laughs) but this thing was like my whole self (laughs) yeah it was it was like no it was like how I look or whatever and it was it it took up all the space that even though you recognized all of your gifts, it was almost like none of those mattered because you had this thing. You mm-hmm. had this thing, this body image thing. Yeah. And it was like, are you seeing your, like, is this a funhouse mirror, right? Like, are you seeing yourself accurately? And never mind, like, the physical, but who you are and how so much emphasis like even though the physical is so gorgeous and you don't see that that's fine but there was so much emphasis on the physical when like you as a person your heart your spirit your energy your i mean your essence who you are is so incredible Thank and you. you were just like destroying yourself yeah right so it what was the thing that you said that was heartbreaking? There there was not one thing. It right. was, you know, a mosaic of things that just broke my heart. And, and it broke my heart more and more as I got to know you more deeply and more deeply. And I saw more and more of who you were. My, and it was like, buy into your own hype, lady. I know. I And I still do this where... And I said this to you a million times. I'm like, I'm so confident inside, but outside, like, absolutely not, right? That was me two years ago. And I remember you were like, it doesn't work like that. Like, you can't just, like, separate yourself into two, like, inside, you know, intestines and, like, your physical stuff. Like, you can't do that. And it's still something I do. However, I think that's the thing is, like, there's so many things I still do. There's so many thoughts I still have. But the difference now is I'm just like, I can kind of be so aware of what I'm doing and how mean I'm being and I can actually be compassionate. 
You know what I mean? Like mm, that yeah. trip in Turkey. You catch yourself. Right. I can catch myself. Like that trip in Turkey, like don't get me wrong. I, you know, the first few meals where I was just like eating whatever I wanted to, it's not easy. It's still not easy for me to do, but now I can do it. I might still feel a little guilty after, and that's something I'm, I still have to work on, but I would never do that before, ever. Like right. literally no. ever. So it's like... no. It's crazy. And like really right now, like I'm in this weird season of, I haven't been working out, which might blow your mind. Like I haven't been working out. I haven't gone to a workout class in months. I know you're so happy. I'm so happy right I, now. I, not, still, no, like, not that I'm like slamming workout, but like, no, I, I know what the, you mean. Like, I'm just want to say just to go on the record, like that was part of your disorder was, yeah the compulsive exercise so this is huge that you haven't been on that train I've been walking that's been my thing lately is like going on walks um which like is fucking wild for me to think about because me even even maybe seven months ago eight months ago you would have like that's not uh, that's all not over a, that that's not a that's not a workout like that was never a workout for me that would have never counted because unless I was dead on the floor after being, you know, arguably, in my opinion, the best in the class, because that's what I had to do, you know, so dead I can't even move, sweating like a MF, yeah. That, yeah. that's what counted. Anything else would not count. So I'm not going to say it doesn't make me uncomfortable because I've been feeling weird because it's weird. I've never done this before. I've never just like let myself like, you know what? I'm so busy right now and yeah, I could make time to go to a workout because if I say I don't have time, that's bullshit. Of course I could. I just, like, don't want to. Like, I just haven't wanted to. Ooh. And you're listening to that, which I think has yeah. been the, your journey. Is yeah. like, can I listen to my inner voice and not the shoulds? Right. Can I listen to what I truly want and what and not what I think I have to do or need to do? Yeah. Can I honor what my body is asking for and not what I expect of myself or what I am like forcing upon myself. I thought I would like and, blow up if I never, if I didn't mm-hmm. go to a yeah. six fucking workout classes a week. Uh, mm-hmm. I literally look the same. Like I look the same. And so can you imagine that nothing catastrophic happened, which is a, say, a line that, that we used to always yeah, say. Steph would always say, you know, when I was scared about something or I didn't want to do something, she'd always just tell me like, okay, why don't you do the thing you're scared of doing? And then when you see that nothing catastrophic happens after you take a second and you tell yourself, you're alive, you're fine, nothing happened. And I use that, literally, that's one of your lines that comes up in my life so much and I share it with people. Like, because it's, sometimes we have to train ourselves. Yeah, all the time. What are you talking about? But this is, and I think, so this is, this leads me into something else that I think a lot of people struggle with is this whole like black or white mentality that you know I have. And I know a lot of people struggle with this, um, where it's like, what's the line, right? Like, where's the line of like, let me go ahead and enjoy my life and do what I want to do, but also kind of still have some sort of structure and, and, and you know, it's like, it's that line where it's like, before I was either always on routine, never let myself enjoy my life. And if I did, there was guilt, there was shame, there was extra workouts, there was this and that, right? Yeah. That's not living. Like that, I'm sorry, like no. that is not living. No, you're, that's a slave. You're in a little hamster wheel there. Exactly. Because yeah. even, even when I did let myself have fun, the guilt that came after and the, what I felt like I had to like make up for, like that's. 
that, that took it all away. That ruined everything, right? And now, right now, present moment, I'm in this season where I'm like, kind of like trying to just let myself do what I want to do. But that also makes me so uncomfortable in a way because it's like, a part of me like misses that, like the hella structure. And then I'm like, do I really miss it? Or do I just like miss that feeling that I was so addicted to for so long? Whatever, that's not about me. What would you say to somebody who's like trying to find just, I don't want to say balance, but just like they want to live their life, but they also want to feel kind of in control. Do you get what I'm saying? I think I get what you're saying. I think what you're saying is how do I go from being like totally tightly wound to some like normal sense of living without being like, I don't know, like a sloth literally, or I don't know what, right? Like, I think that that's back to this fear that like, if I let go of how I'm like white knuckling right now, Mm -hmm. it's all going to go to hell in a handbasket. Exactly. And I think that that's what keeps people in that white knuckle state is Mm -hmm. that they, they don't trust that if I loosen my grip, nothing catastrophic will happen. Like I will settle in this place that is just like normal living. You know what also happens? I think I had such an identity for so long. Like I was so, or at least I thought I did some identity that I constructed myself and I was, I was like so stuck to it. Right. And so like even just accepting that that is something I let go of and something that I'm like trying to change, that's hard, right? Because like, it's uncomfortable. Change isn't always comfortable. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. And I think we hold on to these like identities that we create for ourselves. And then when it's time and when we feel like it's time to like switch it up, that's like, I think the uncomfortable part. Yeah. Like in your, in your case, like who will I be if I'm not like workout queen? Exactly. That's what you're saying. Weighing my food, queen. Right. Eating cauliflower and every meal, queen. Yeah, yeah. Who will I be if I'm not this? Because you almost like started to identify, and this is something inherent with eating disorders, is it you merge with it. Mm -hmm. So when you think about something like other mental health conditions, like depression or anxiety, someone comes in with those kinds of things. They're like, help me, get rid of this, right? When someone comes in with an eating disorder, they're like, back off, bitch. Yeah. Right? Like, it's like, this is mine. It doesn't want like, to go. I'm here because I... Yeah. Right. So there's a fusion with this thing. And there's also an identification with it. So the idea of, like, who will I be if I'm not whatever you believe you are within the disorder that you want to protect? Right. Right? It's wild. So, so that's a really, really tricky thing. But to go back to give... To give a more practical answer to this. Um, you know, when, when you're going from this really tightly wound routine, um, you have to expect that as you're trying to change it, that at first the pendulum might swing a little further than you want it to, because it's sort of like, um, when, when you are relaxing the grip, you're like, oh, I can, I, I can do this and I can just do whatever I want or I can, I don't know, whatever the thing is that you weren't giving yourself permission for, suddenly you're giving yourself permission to do and it's like you kind of go for it mm-hmm. all the way. Mm-hmm. But I think what, what happens with, in human nature is that 
that pendulum gradually settles into something that's just moderate. Right. So initially, when you've been living in a certain way and you start to change, the the, the at the beginning it might you might swing to that other extreme because you've been you sort of want that other extreme. You've been fighting it for so long, but then over time, if you stick with that permission, if you continue to allow, the pendulum will settle in something that is that semi-structured, you know, normal living. I think we're almost settling, but like we still, the pendulum is still like, sometimes it goes, like it it just like, it's like, it's trying to stick, but then sometimes it's like, you know what I mean? What's, I wanted to ask you this before. I know there's probably so many, but what is a misconception about eating disorders that you just like wish you could shout from the rooftops? Uh, That you never know who has an eating disorder by looking at them. Amen. You can't assume you know what someone's going home to. Never. Nobody would fucking know what I was doing in my house. There's a million misconceptions, but that's probably the biggest one. That's a big one. Yeah. The other other big one that I feel like I need to say is you can't just like snap out of an eating disorder. Absolutely not. I wish. Like, you know, people who are like, just go eat whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Let's talk about confidence for a second. Confidence to be our, you know, true selves, to go after the stuff that we want to do, to wear the shorts, all of it. I know it's so layered, but if you had to give a TED Talk about confidence, Ugh. what's like... Oh, a, I'd what, love to. What, I know. I would fucking love that for you. Oh my gosh. What's like a little summary? What's a summary that, of that TED Talk, let's say? What is a summary of that TED Talk? Like, where do we get it wrong with confidence? Because I think it's like... We think it's this, I at least thought it was this, I thought when I was in high school that because I was shyer and I definitely wasn't as confident as I am today, I've never been as confident as I am today, 28 years old, took me a fucking second, but beautiful, right on time. (laughs) We think it's like this thing, right? That you just like, once you have it, you have it. Or at least I did. I thought it was this thing that once I had it, I had it. And if I didn't have it, that meant I was never going to have it. And the people that were so confident, I was like, oh my God, like, how do they do? You know, like, I think it's a very, it's, there's a huge misconception, I think, about confidence too. Yeah. I think that this is a really juicy question. Um, First of all, there's different definitions that we can kind of like get into. So without getting into the weeds with it, confidence comes from a lot of different places and sources and things. There's the, the stuff that's sort of like not constant and stable. And that's like when you feel good about yourself because of something, because of some achievement, because of some thing, because of some external way that you have shown your brilliance or, you know, felt like you've done something really well. And there's nothing wrong with those kinds of ways that we feel confident, but they are fleeting. Temporary. Yeah. Um, They're not anchors. Right. But I think people try to collect those things. I was trying to do that. Yeah. Yeah. They try to collect, you know, achievement, accolades, status, money, a certain kind of job, a certain kind of partner, a certain kind of social status, however many followers, however many likes, however many whatever, right? They, they're they trying to collect these things so that they can feel like, see, I must be, I must be good enough because I have all this stuff to show that I'm, you know, people like me or I'm, 
you know, I'm, I'm winning, right? But true confidence is actually about, comes from an inner wellspring mm-hmm. that I will label self-worth. Mm-hmm. And that is something that is innate, inherent in each and every one of us by birthright. And, and I think that that's the thing that in my view is sort of like the other silent pandemic that is going on with women of, you know, having this self-worth deficit. Mm. Um, so plugging into your innate value is the kind, uh, you know, is what allows you to exude a confidence that isn't contingent on anything outside of you. It's, it doesn't matter what's happening around you. It doesn't matter, you know, if you have or, or don't have any of those things that your worth and your confidence is there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the, that's the gold, and you know. I think I love that definition. And I think two things I want to say about that. First is I thought, like I for so long thought confidence purely was attached to something physical. And so I was working violently to look a certain way because I thought that once I reached a certain look, I would, I would be confident. Let me tell you, reached that certain look, still wasn't confident. Right. Have probably never worked out less, have probably never eaten more, and I finally feel confident. I don't feel confident every day. I still have struggles. I have bad body image days. I'm not saying I love my body. I probably never will. But I can at least be compassionate about it. Most days, you know? Um, But the second thing I wanted to say... Yes, amen. The second thing I wanted to say about that is, you know, I I know this is so... It's so um, situational. But for somebody who maybe lost that confidence, like that innate confidence, they're just their self-worth was damaged for X, Y, and Z reason. What is like one thing someone can do to even just start tapping into that again? Like start even just getting to know themselves again in order to even become their own friend. Because I think the only reason I have this confidence now is because I finally stopped being such a bitch to myself, you know? Yeah. I became my friend. Yeah, beautiful. I think that that's, you know... Your, your experience and your journey is the best tip. I think that the, the best piece of advice I could give to someone is to pay very close attention to the voices in your own head. Mm. And notice when they are being cruel, mean, demeaning, nasty, horrible. That inner critic has a function, mm-hmm. um, but it, if it's taking over, um, it's time to get back in the driver's seat. And so the main way to do that is what Lisa, what you're talking about exactly, is through a practice of self-compassion, yeah. and we can talk a bit about that if you want to, but also um, through just noticing and saying, Being aware. Oh, being aware there it is there's the there's the bitch like there she is or whatever and 
trying in that moment not to flip it. So whatever the critical thought is, it's not about flipping it into some like opposite thought, but it's just about trying to neutralize the thought to something a bit more, you know, realistic and less extreme and less horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, and just try to neutralize that negativity, neutralize that criticism and to think something that's more reality-based. So the best advice is to just begin by noticing how often that inner critic is coming up and to separate from it, that it's just a thought that you're having and you can't believe all your thoughts. You just can't. That would be, I think, the biggest step in the direction of tapping back into some worthiness. I remember how much work we did about this of just, you know, something I love about the way you tackled this with me was we hear this everywhere. Like if you don't love yourself, no one's going to love you. If you don't love your body, da, 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 da. Like there's so much pressure. Maybe I just think too much, but I would say this to you. It's like, I don't think I'm ever going to love my body or like love myself fully, but I think that's okay. Like, I think we always, we hear this, like love, you have to love yourself. That's a lot of fucking pressure to put on somebody who might be really struggling with their self-worth and their whatever it is. Or they're like really in like self-hatred. Right. So it's like, how about we just get to like a place of neutrality? And that's what you would say yes. to me. And that took pressure off of me. I didn't even know I was allowed to do that. I thought I either yeah. had to be in the space that I was in or I had to just love myself or else I couldn't show up in the world. I couldn't right. date. It was, it's back I, to the black or white. Exactly. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to date. I wasn't allowed to go to the whatever. I still haven't gone to the beach, but like working on it. Um, shit like that, you know, that it's like, yeah. yeah. I thought it was like from one extreme to another. And so I love that you clarified that for me where it's like, it doesn't have to be like that. You know, like No, and in fact, I remember having a few conversations. It's like, can we go from criticism and like disdain to tolerating? <laughs> like just let's just tolerate yeah. it. Uh then from tolerating, can we move to just accepting yep. it? Yep. Um I think if you can get to a place of just acceptance, that's a game changer. It is. Right? Because I I agree. It's a total misconception. You know, every single person on earth struggles on some level with some discontent Mm -hmm. about their appearance. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, And so, but it doesn't stop every single person on earth or it doesn't make every single person on earth, you know, turn against themselves. That's what we were working on was like, yeah, mine stopped me from doing a million and one things in my life. Right. Bef- oh yeah. Before we get into it was your biggest barrier. Absolutely. Before we get into yeah. more juicy stuff, well, before we, actually we're we're gonna get into you, and then we're gonna get into a few questions. I could keep you here all day, but we both have shit to do, unfortunately. I want, and this is like me selfishly because I don't know all of this, and I would love to hear like, tell us a, like a little bit about your story. Like, why are you doing what you're doing? What's a, what's a misconception about being a psychologist? And finally, you know, you're, in my opinion, so aligned in what you're doing. Like you're a gift to the world and I wish everybody could see you. Actually, no, because then there, there would be no space for me, you know. Um, There's always space for you. <laughs> but what would you say to somebody? I know these are like 5 million questions. Sorry, but like, I just don't want to forget it. Like you have your magic. What do you say to somebody who's struggling to find theirs? Ooh. So first tell me about you. Then we'll get into the magic part. 
Okay, so why am I doing what I'm doing? It's interesting that you're asking me that because someone recently asked me that because I have I am sort of like transitioning in some ways in my professional world from like my one-on-one work to doing a group program which is a very very different kind of work. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking more and more about why I'm doing that, right? Because I've been doing the more traditional thing for a very long time. And so I um I'm a mom of two young toddler girls and um, I had them sort of later in life and um, like I was almost 40 when I had my first daughter and I was really? 41 and a half yeah you still you look so yeah. I mean you are young but you look so young to oh me. thank you thank you yeah so I was no not that young but I was 41 and a half when I had my second so I really believe that I was meant to have girls and Absolutely. I was meant, I was meant to raise women. Absolutely. And I believe that the work that I do and the reason I'm here and my magic is to raise women, to raise women up. Yep. And um, I think that that's sort of my superpower mm-hmm. that I see in each person and each woman her highest self, her potential. Yeah. And I hold that vision for her until she grasps it. Yeah. And um, I help her ascend to that place. But when did you know that? When did it hit you or did it ever hit you one day when you were like, this is what I want? Like when you were deciding what to major in, like did you know like... Oh my God, no, no. I had no idea. I knew, it was like a convoluted road. It It was like... I found psychology by happenstance and before that I was doing some other work and I was like, this isn't gratifying, this isn't satisfying. I knew I wanted to help people. I didn't know how, I didn't know in what way, but I knew that there was something that I had. I don't know how I have it. Um, And there's ways that it wavers, like in terms of this self-worth stuff. Mm -hmm. But there was something that I had innately and instinctly around this idea of self-trust and self-assurance mm-hmm. and I, I, re, I recognize that not everybody had that and I recognize that I could help people with that yeah. um, and then as I moved into my 30s I actually, this is a longer story but I realized that whoa, wait, I don't actually have it all figured out. Um, I also struggle with this self-worth piece because here's how it's showing up in my personal life that I'm tolerating shit that I should not be tolerating. And if I really had it all figured out, I would not be in this situation. So I think my own journey into myself as, you know, who I am now has really just, I think, underscored that this is what I need to do. This is like, this is my purpose. Yeah. I don't know if I answered that question. That was sort of. Absolutely is. Absolutely. So what about, you know, I talked to a lot of people that they're like, I just, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know what my magic is. Like, what's my magic? Oh yeah. I had no idea. So you just have to be curious. And like, I think follow what inspires you. Like, I think even Lisa, when, you when we first met, you had a job. Um, I remember when I and quit you, and we ate a cake? Yeah, pop? I do. 
I do. I totally remember. And I remember like trying to push you to quit when, when you were like, I don't know if I can. I'm like, you're quitting and you're quitting next week. So like, um, you're like, but what am I going to do? I'm like, you're going to be fine. Um, I think you have to stay curious, stay open, follow your passions, follow what inspires you. Um, and like, I know this sounds hokey, but I think it's, it's really about trusting that every step along the way is getting you closer and closer to the version of you that you are meant to become. Mm-hmm. You don't need to know what your magic is at 20. Amen. You don't need to know at 30. You don't need to know at 40. Like, yep. it's always evolving. It's always changing. So it's just like your job, I think, all of our jobs are to take that next inspired step. That's where the magic is. It's not about some end goal of where I want to get to. It's about what am I going to do right now and next that is inspired, aligned, that feels like me, that lights me up, that gets me excited. Um, That's where you find your magic. It's not about some destination that you think is some pie in the sky. This is what I want to be and do. I love that. I love that so much. We focus so much on planning and on like, what's your, what's, what am I going to do in five years? Where do I mean? Cool. Think about it. That's great. I love having goals, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Oh yeah. But I have just learned like whenever I plan, God laughs at me because he's like, that's just not what's going to happen. Okay. So let me just say, have a plan. Mm-hmm. You need a plan. It doesn't, you don't need to know the plan, but know that the plan's going to change. But don't be glued right? to it. Yes. Yeah. Know that it's going to change and take inspired action from yes. that. Like, I'm not saying like wander aimlessly in inspired action. I'm like, you know, pick a target mm-hmm. that lights you up and take an inspired step in that direction. Absolutely. But know that it's probably going to change because you are an evolving being. And it's okay if it changes. And don't beat yourself up like I would if it changes. Oh my God, how could it not change? Exactly. Like you are meant to change. Like every cell in your body is constantly, well, not your, not every cell, but most of the cells in your body are constantly turning over. Yep. Like you are an evolving being. We all are. Like your everything is going to keep changing. That's the only guarantee. I think one of the coolest things that I'm trying to work on this year that I finally feel like I'm like just beginning to do it um, is giving myself permission to change. And I think, yeah. you know what's... Okay, we're going to get into questions, but I just want to say it's so yeah. cool. Something so cool about... Don't get me wrong. I wish I was seeing you twice a week for the rest of my life. But in the meantime... You don't need to, my love. In the meantime, while I'm not, it's been so cool to like put everything in actual action. You know what I mean? Like, There's so many moments that I've had this year where I'm like, first, I'm always like, what would Steph tell me? Two, I'm like, what would Steph do? And three, I'm like, oh my God, wait, we talked about this. Like, you know what I mean? I'll be like, oh my God, we talked about this. Or like, I would, I'll, I'll sit and acknowledge with myself, like, wow, I would have never done this before therapy, like before stuff is basically what I'm saying. Like, even I know you saw my story about the French toast that I posted in Turkey where I was like, yeah, fuck, like two years ago, I would have literally, this would have never been an option for me ever. I sent you the clapping hands. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's wild. The applause. it's, It's wild how like, you know, when people say therapy is an investment, it's legitimately an investment and I could go on and on about that I want to answer a few questions that people sent there's a ton Please. 
Let's see. Let's get a good one. A lot of people want to talk about dating, which I would have loved to talk a little bit more about, but we're going to do a part two. I already know. We'll do part two. Yeah. Um, Relationships. Okay. This is a juicy one. Let's do two of these. Let's do, she said, letting go of a relationship you know wasn't serving you. Oh, no, that's it. So letting go of a relationship you know wasn't serving you. Oh, but I still miss him. Yeah. So maybe we just talk about like, even just letting go of friendships, relationships that you know aren't serving you, but it's hard to detach and to like let people down in a way because you're walking away, you know? You know, every... Nothing in life is all good or all bad, right? So every decision that you make, every moment, that if there's light, there's shadow. Mm-hmm. If there's shadow, there's light, right? So when you recognize that you're in a relationship and overall it's either pulling you down more than raising you up or it's it's keeping you stuck in in old ways that aren't serving you anymore or it's just toxic and not right for you it's a courageous and brave step to move out of that yeah and even if you know it's in your best interest that doesn't mean that there isn't going to be an experience of loss right right so i think the best thing i could say to this person is you are going to feel grief about that mm-hmm it's the end of a relationship. There's loss. There's, there's a grieving process. So allowing yourself and, and not expecting that you're not going to feel that just because overall you recognize this wasn't right for me or this was not serving me, right? There's, it's both. It's like, I need to leave this person to grow and that's sad and that's hard and I miss him or her or whoever, right? So it's, still staying true to what you know you need to do but allowing yourself to feel the whole spectrum of emotions around that which is uncomfortable and we don't like to do that we don't want to do that we want it to just be like perfect yeah yeah but it's there is no there is no version of that that exists it's sort of like expecting that you're going to end a relationship and just feel nothing would mean that the relationship was insignificant right it's like we're i always say this on the podcast and i feel like to everybody but it's like we're not robots you know like it's a good thing you're feeling something even if it's a bad thing yeah and i'll say like let yourself feel the feels but don't take the don't misinterpret those sad feelings as like i need to go back yes you need to trust that the decision you made was from a place of your true intuitive sense of what you need absolutely and don't confuse the grief and the sadness with i made a bad choice i love that somebody asked about anxious attachment style which i love because i feel like i kind of have that so can you tell us what that means and i guess like maybe one or two tips to begin to work on that or navigate it if we're trying to become more what's the other one deep one what's the what's the Secure. secure Yeah, I know. That's like, we could do a whole fucking episode on attachment styles. Oh, geez. Yeah, that's really deep. So, you know, without getting too much into, like, psychological theory, um, when you have an anxious attachment style, you you don't feel safe in close connections. Mm-hmm. And you're likely to 
avoid, put up walls, move away from instead of moving towards opportunities for connection. Um, and there's reasons that you have that style. So the first thing is, you know, acknowledge that you make sense, right? Like if you have an attachment style that's not ideal, it's, you know, you got there for a reason and it's, I'm sorry, and it sucks that you didn't get the secure attachment that you deserved, but you make sense. I feel like I'm right? anxious. So, I'm, I 100% identify with this style. Well, I think, well, uh, in, hmm. in the way that this is, this is where you are anxious, but I don't think your attachment style is anxious, actually. Really? You think it's secure? Yes, I think you are more secure than you think. That's nice. I feel like I grab on. <laughs> I feel like I grab onto people when I like them so hard, and I always feel like I'm going to lose someone. That's the thing. Well, and that comes from loss, obviously. Other experiences, yeah. 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 Um, I, you know, I think that when you have that sort of anxiety around connection, was the question, "What do I do about it?" Just like tips to navigate being anxiously attached so hard I know because we need like more details yeah you know I think that what it comes down to and this is not going to really necessarily like help the person right now but you need to go through a process of as an adult now right in a sense reparenting yourself we all do in various ways and sometimes that work is like easier because we already started with the, the secure base but sometimes it's harder because we didn't get that secure attachment as an infant or as a young child, right. okay? And so we have to build it from the ground up. Um, I think the best piece of advice that I could give someone with an anxious attachment style is to ask yourself in every moment where you might be able to connect more deeply versus withdraw, can I trust a little more than I am trusting right now? You always said that to me. I love that. Yeah. And I think that that's the way that you nudge yourself forward in baby steps. Mm -hmm. You don't, if you have an attachment style that is anxious or avoidant or, right, you're not just going to like jump in open arms to like love, right? (laughs) You're not wired for that. But so that, again, back to the black or white, Mm -hmm. like, but how can you lean a little bit more in, into trust? Just like 1% more, literally. Yeah. Like one baby step more in the direction of trust. And if you ask yourself that consistently, I think what you will find is that gradually you will start seeing that your relationships deepen Mm -hmm. and have, and there's more intimacy Mm -hmm. and more authenticity in those relationships. And then that will create a positive feedback loop where you're like, Ooh, this feels good. I can do this a little bit more. I can trust even a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, maybe like a lot more. Right. So I think it's, it's all about being patient with yourself and pushing yourself along a little bit in those nudges of, do I really need to withdraw here? Right. Is there any way that I can lean in a little closer to this person and still feel safe? Yeah. Okay, last one. And we'll just give people a tease of our next dating episode or our part two. Let's say when we'll do a little more about dating. Yeah. Yeah. She said it was, it was, a, it was a two-parter, but basically it's like she's in her late 20s. A lot of her friends are in relationships She's feeling left out. She's feeling like, when is my time going to come? And so what do you say to somebody who's feeling discouraged in the dating world, maybe just late 20s, 30s, 
age doesn't matter to me it's more just like the concept of feeling like everybody around you's ahead and you're behind and you're never going to be your person and whatever maybe what do you say yeah without invalidating that person because i totally get that i'm just gonna say that all of that is bullshit (laughs) (laughs) like so acknowledging to yourself like (laughs) what i'm feeling is real but all of this noise about a timeline and ahead and behind and all of that is bullshit it's so made up um it's so made up but I get what it's like and I've been there right you know I um I was married once before uh but the first time I got married I was in my 30s and then I didn't marry again until I was 40 but um I, you know, I was there also where in my late 20s and into my 30s where all of my friends were doing, you know, marriage and children and buying homes and all of that. And I was like living in Miami and like, wait, are you me? Doing are you, thing. are you me right now? <laughs> I'm a little, I'm a little bit you. I was a little bit you. Not quite. I mean, who can be you? But yeah. Um, and I get that. Okay. All I can say is it's a, it's cliche, but it's, it's so profoundly true. Trust the timing of your life. Mm -hmm. You know what, if you don't have what you want right now, there's a reason it hasn't manifested and shown itself to you yet. And all the only thing you can do is focus on enjoying the life that you have now, because there will be a point in time, like, I am so grateful for my life. I love everything about it. Okay. But I am now, you know, in the high weeds of like two toddlers and all of the demands of that and no sleep and da da da. And like, I think back to my late twenties where I was like alone in my apartment in Miami, like living, like I love those days. Right. Like, so I know it's hard to see it when you're like in now it, when you're in, it. in a different situation yeah. when you're in it, but try to appreciate every stage of your life for what it is and trust that whatever it is that you want, you will have, but not by, uh, uh, what's the word? Like hustling for it or like chasing it. it. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, try to be your best, try to live your best life Mm -hmm. in the context that it is Mm -hmm. now. And, and trust that everything that you want is going to unfold as it, as it should for you. Yep. I love um, that. And take the time. Like, if, if you're noticing that, you know, things aren't working out the way you want, like, maybe there is work that you need to do on yourself. Like, maybe there are things that at this point in time where you are, where you have the space and time in your life to do some personal work, right? Like take the time where you, where you aren't partnered up to spend more time with girlfriends or to do the things that you love, that you have time to do, right? Like ring it out, ring out the stage that you're in. We, and I used to think this too, is we think that the more that we look for something or chase it, like the faster it'll come to you, but it's literally the opposite. And something I want to add to that is just because somebody's in a relationship doesn't mean they're happy. Just like, geez, no, yeah, it's, you know, the people to this person, like maybe your friends that are in relationships are looking at you and being like, fuck man, look at her living her best single life. life." And you're over here like, absolutely. Absolutely. We're never going to have it all. 
And we're so yeah. greedy because we want it all always. And so I love just like the conclusion of that of like, just enjoy the day. Like, where are you right now? And how can we enjoy that? And, and I'll just say like, if it's the love that you want, if you're like longing for that love and connection, find ways to experience that outside of like the romantic relate like get that love give it to yourself connect with the people in in your world that love and value you and make you feel good like feed that need in in the ways that you can absolutely. right like don't wait for some knight in shining armor or whatever right like you. yeah absolutely not yeah like give yourself all of that i love that mic drop i remember one day you said this to me you were like my hope for you, I think you said this like mid in our relationship, in our, in our relationship, you were like, you know, I don't want to have you here two times a week for the rest of your life. Like, oh. I want you to go and live your best life. And I was like, but like, I, want, I don't want to leave you. And you were like, I would love to be your therapist for life, but like, that's not what I want for you. And what I love about that is like, you kind of give, you like equip people with the tools to like be able to do it themselves after a while. Yeah. You know? And I'm so not, I'm not in the biz of like keeping people on my couch. You don't want me on your I'm couch? I'm in the biz. I mean, I do. I want to be like pregnant on your couch being like, oh, I'm going to pop soon. Yes, you know? I want that too. That's totally happening. I love that you just visualized that. I really did. I don't know why. <laughs> but not with Mr. Gray. I wonder who the father would be. <laughs> <laughs> oh god that's for the next yeah, episode that's for the next episode okay thank you so, so much good. for this this was beautiful literally oh my gosh so incredible and if people want to find you if people want to connect with you where can they find you everything will be tagged but yeah just tag me i'm you know i'm around they can find me website instagram even facebook wherever find me connect Love Would it. Love wait, wait, last, last, last question. I've been asking everybody this. How could I forget? Mm. What is one thing you've learned about yourself this year? It doesn't have to be about therapy or it can be about anything. What is something that you either learned about yourself this year or were reminded of this year? Oh, this year was such, uh, I mean, the whole pandemic, right? Absolutely. Has been the ba- backdrop of our lives. I think the one thing that I realized this year was that what actually makes me happiest are the simplest of things. I love that. It is. The little things. Yeah, the simplest of things. And um, and that it actually, I actually don't need a lot to be truly happy. What a powerful place to be in, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's been, I think, there's been a lot of gifts of this pandemic life, and I think that that's been the most profound one for me. I love that. That's beautiful. Love it. <laughs> what about you? Oh, God. What's something I learned this year? Um, how much time do you have? <laughs> Not that much. <laughs> What's something that's I learned okay. this year? Oh, I think I... I think I'm finally learning that I, like, deserve to be happy. Like, that I deserve the things that I want, you know? Like, 
that even though I forget it all the time and I have hella imposter syndrome all the time, I know I was put on this earth to lift people up, not in the same way you do, obviously, but like, I think not even that I was put on this earth. I think I went through a lot of things and I think I went through them to share them. You know, Mm, I love that because I I wake up so like, I just want to like share it. It's like, I can't shut the fuck up. And it's like, remember when you were afraid to share? Yeah. I mean, I'm, there's still so many things. Right. But I think that's one of my biggest things is like, I don't know why I quieted that for so long. Did I even answer the question? I gave you like five things I learned this year. You did. You did. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Well. And I'm I'm kind of going to hold you to some of that in part two. Okay. With a, a little teaser here. Okay. I think we've been talking around some things. Yes. So Steph, I'll, I'll, let's tell them. Steph wants me to. Well, no, no, no. I don't think we need to. I think no, we no, can no. Hold not it not what two, it is. Oh, okay, two. okay. Let's just let, let let let's leave people on a cliffhanger. There's a big thing that we yeah. haven't said, and I've never said it on the podcast, though I've talked about the subject immensely. Yeah. And I think it's necessary. I think it scares the shit out of me. Valuable. I think from from everything you just said yeah. about what you've learned this year mm-hmm. and what you're what you think you're here to do. Yeah. I think it can be really impactful and valuable and helpful to so many people. It makes my heart go like, okay, yeah, pitter-patter, in a good way. Ish. <laughs> okay, thank you so much. I cannot wait thank for you. people to hear this. I'm going to edit this. this is so I want to get this up tomorrow because I really want, this was so amazing. I loved it so much. Um, everything will be tagged. Thank you so much. Thank You're you, the best. Lisa. Thank you for changing my life. And... Ugh. Keep doing what you're doing because you're amazing at it. And and you're and keep shining. Thank you. Keep shining. I'll try. Yeah. We're gonna do a part you're two though. Star. We're doing a part two. Oh yeah. Yeah, we'll do okay. part two. We'll we'll do it sometime in the new year. Okay. Sounds great. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.